Hello, I'm Andy McLeod. Hang on, are you saying I'm Andy McLeod, I'm Andrew Hollingworth, or shall I say and I'm Andrew Hollingworth? It's probably best yeah. it's probably best to say and. And I'm Andrew Hollingworth. Welcome to Freelance, the podcast where we invite guests to discuss the highs and lows of working freelance. How do you get started? How do you survive? How do you not lose all faith in humanity along the way? In this week's episode, we speak with Emma Forsyth about brands, running your own business and free sandwiches. Hope you all enjoy. Hi Emma, thank you for coming on. No um, so tell us about your day, what did you do, what did you do today? What did I do today? I came in late to work, which was a joy, but I only decided to go to the doctor, so that was a bit boring. Mm-hmm. The life admin. And then came in, had a very interesting brief arrive on my desk for Christmas, and I'm an absolute sucker for Christmas. Um, so in advertising world, Christmas is the money. This is exciting. Yeah. I used to do Christmas for almost two years of my life dedicated to Christmas. Um, I managed to move off that for the last couple. So it was nice to have a little reminder. So I had a little brief in to design a Christmas cup for a big retailer in the UK. I think I'm going to say it like that, so I don't get myself in trouble. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> probably, that's probably the safest way. Um, yeah. So it starts out something small. It's off scope, which means that the agency haven't paid for it yet. Or haven't, not the agency haven't paid for it. The client haven't paid for it, so the agency hasn't resourced it. So it's one of those things where you need to use quite a lot of charm, try and get people to do something technically for free. Um, but it was great because everybody loves Christmas. So I spent the entire day chatting about Christmas, snowmen, archetypal characters for that kind of season, and non-denominational winter yeah. celebrations. Nice. I was introduced yeah. to the term... I'm not sure if it's a term that's been banded around where you work, but mm. I was introduced to the term primary gifting period oh, recently, which lovely. apparently is a, is a certain retail term for it Christmas. Is. <laughs> primary why, do gifting to, period. why do you have to make more syllables? You could just say Christmas. Yeah, I'd just say Christmas. It's Christmas, isn't it? Mm, yeah. That's implying it's only for Christians. Uh, ladies and sense. gentlemen, we're entering the primary gifting period. <laughs> that's very true, actually. It's true. Yeah, no, it's quite. It's, Whereas it, if it's just it's, about a gifting period, so we, I think the best brief I had was that big Christmas one, yeah. um, which was Coca-Cola Christmas, and the audience normally is, you know, like young men from eighteen to twenty-five interested in sports. Um, they love this. They wear that. This is their sh- their aftershave. You know <laughs> everything about them. Their foot size, the whole thing. And this one was just Christendom. <laughs> I was like, great. Let's just advertise to Christendom. That sounds fantastic. Excellent. But yeah, no, it is. It is just to make sure that you're not. Um directly advertising to only Christians because yeah. everybody loves a gift at Christmas Absolutely. and Hanukkah's all wrapped up in that area of course well. it is it's all in there Thanksgiving's around about that time yeah. like it's all it's all there isn't it? it's, yeah. they're, all, they're all there so what did, so what specifically around that are you in charge of like what do you what is your job in sale yeah so I'm the boring suit side of things which actually isn't very boring mm-hmm. um, but it's sort of a mixture of project management and client management as well, and then also understanding all the different disciplines within advertising and knowing what their skill sets are and making sure that they're getting all the information they need to do a good job, and then also helping steer the work that comes out of all those different departments to make sure that it is actually relevant to the client and is going to be something that you can sell back. So a sort of lifestyle, what lifestyle, like a system for how any project would go is a brand would come to you with a specific problem you hear it and ingest it and you talk to planning department which are the absolute geniuses they do all the psychology and things like that so they look at that problem from a much broader perspective they do loads of research and focus groups and lots and lots and lots of reading and they're just general geniuses in general Um, and they will then come up with a brief that tackles the sort of behavioral change that you're expecting within that group and how you might tap into that how it might work and that gets distilled into sort of a very specific sentence mm-hmm. that we then 
take and introduce the creative department, which are also geniuses in their own right in a very different way. So they're looking at that sentence and then making it into something that your layman or your specific audience, Christendom or <laughs> men of a certain age, um, can buy into and understand um, and speaks their language to them. So they come up with the actual executions of the idea, whereas mm. planning will come up with the sort of psychology route behind why that idea then works. Um, then we package all of those two things together and then suit sell that back to the client with the help of planning and creative as well. So you sort of build your bench of your dream team and then introduce them to the client and get them to sell into a specific idea. And then after that, once it's sold in, which sounds like it's easy, but actually isn't, <laughs> that quick step where you well, just well, sold it in and it's it. done, um, <laughs> which actually normally involves at least... <laughs> exactly, exactly. I wish. At least, t- at least 10 rounds of events and rethinking and a new brief and everything else. And you know, said that was our problem, it's not. All of that happens. Um, but then where you finally get it, project management side of the role comes in and there are specific project managers who are fantastic who do only this side of the job but in a lot of agencies you'll end up being a bit of a jack of all trades Mm. so you then end up making sure that it goes into the right director that it's being met with the right production companies that that's staying on budget that you're producing things on time and then trying to educate a client who perhaps doesn't need to know or hasn't been educated in how you produce work and making sure that they're then understanding you know why a certain thing looks a certain way or what's possible within retouching or what needs to be shot on the day and you handhold them through the entire process and make sure that at the end of it they're they're really in love with what you've ended up producing Uh, and if they're not you manage how to fix what's been made (laughs) and then it goes out you did did all that today all that today (laughs) (laughs) no today was the first bit and that's why I'm buzzing today was the first bit I love that you get a new brief from a client they've come in they've said this is my problem I've been given this rare opportunity to create this it's a tiny thing I mean we do campaigns absolutely massive they work for the whole planet Uh, and then you can get some briefs that are literally just I have a cup and I want to make this cup work the hardest it can possibly work (laughs) ever what we do and you're like oh okay so that's the kind of prime creative bit where you kind of get you get to you get to just throw everything at the wall and yeah, you like, and yeah. before all those other kind of facets get involved, you sort of go, yeah. But it's the, it's the sort of worst area. It's probably where I'm the most bad cop, which is terrible. You're meant to be quite open and be like, yeah, throw loads of ideas at the wall. But then I'm meant to kind of come in and go like, that's too expensive. So you're the, no, you're the, you're the no guy, but you're like, I'm no. The no. I'm the no guy. <laughs> at the, begin- at the beginning. At the beginning. But when I've found the one that fits in the roof and everyone else is on board, that's when everyone's like, right, this is it. Off we go. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And the stress test. Yeah. <laughs> Just as an aside, I should probably clarify, we're recording this one at the, uh, the lovely garden studio at the new diorama theatre and the cafe is shut and we've got like a platter of sandwiches in front of us i don't know how much of these we're going to eat we'll try not to eat while we record it depends how late we go they do look very appetizing (laughs) but they do look very nice so just to paint the picture for our listeners that's what's happening i think all of them there's a few few sort of brioche buns with sort of salad and Mm. cheese and if you're ever in the area they do very good sandwiches (laughs) (laughs) and very good theatre they do um, so, do you do you work you work project to project, and that and that client can be like like what's the kind of give us give us a sense of kind of the range of client that you could work with. Um, so since I've been freelancing, it's varied between um, new business roles, which are specifically not what I've just shouted about, well, mm-hmm. um, but are about selling agencies to clients. Yeah. Um, and then I've done a bit of fashion, which has been really good fun because I've never done that before, and it's not really my forte but was really really good to kind of you look very nice today thanks i mean personally but not as a broadcast other people this is what you should be wearing Uh, (laughs) i've never done that before Uh, so how did you get involved in that just just before we crack on how did you get involved in the fact in that in that in the fashion fashion bit bit? that was probably the first time i took 
help to be a freelancer. Mm. So I decided to freelance mainly because, well, an opportunity came up, which I wasn't expecting. I wanted to set up a business, which was clear, uh, had a certain amount of money that was put aside to try and do that. And it wasn't going to be enough to fuel me as a person, as mm. well as the business. So I was trying to look at ways in which I could try and earn money on the side of making this particular dream of, of the moment happen. Um, and the agency that I'd been working at for about three, four years before and said to me I'd already handed my notice in and I was working off my notice period and they ended up saying we've got this opportunity it's not in your department but it would work for you um, three days a week would you be interested in doing it you'd need to let us know a day rate and we'd cut it down that way um, so I sort of fell into freelancing I wanted to do it it was an informed decision but fell into that job because it happened to be presented to me at the time right. but the fashion thing came about because once that was done um, and I wanted to get back into it properly I didn't necessarily want to go back where I was and I wanted to have a look around different opportunities and to do specifically things I hadn't done before such as fashion yeah. um, and I work with a headhunting agency which I think are fantastic and they introduced me to a really small agency that I wouldn't have ever met otherwise um, and sort of helped me through the interview process with them making sure I was meeting the right people explaining why the job would be right for me because I think you often, as an individual, feel that you know what your job is and what you're, you're good at and what mm. would work for you, and you pigeonhole yourself. Um, you sort of go for what's safe, especially when you're going out for the first time on your own. Mm. If you're like, right, okay, I'm going to do this thing and it's going to be crazy and somebody's going to pay me for it per day and I've never even asked for this much money. You yeah. know, normally it's this sort of pre-agreed you interview, you know how much you're interviewing for and that's it. And the closest you come to negotiating your own value is when you talk about pay rises once every six months or, or a year. Yeah. So to go in and really advocate for yourself and to be your own agent is quite difficult and it's a whole new vocabulary and it involves a whole new set of balls and all that other stuff. Mm. Um, but it was interesting for them to kind of show me that I didn't need to be in the pigeonhole that I thought I was in and that I could actually be relevant as a tool and as a skill set to something I wasn't used to, such mm. as a really small agency that worked in fashion. So I loved them for that and went for it and we all got on swimmingly and that was great. And so I did a really short contract with them for about three months, um, which then ended up inspiring another business. And then we just sprang off to do that. That's mm. the joy of freelancing as you can you can follow what you're interested in when it's interesting you completely yeah mm. and you've got that you've got freedom on you i think it's, it's similar what you're saying about pigeonholing is really interesting because it's similar it's similar in kind of the creative industries as well is it you know that life sentence from my perspective like when i started i was like oh, i'm an actor and that's it and then you will realize that you can't be an actor all the time <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's Sadly. down to other people as well yeah like giving yeah. you jobs and things like yeah. that <laughs> it's like, oh, well maybe i maybe i don't want to be an actor for half a year and then a barman for the other half. Maybe yeah. I want to be an actor. Maybe I want to be something else as well yeah. within that within my industry. And mm. um, you totally can. You totally can do that. And it's just that it's, it's sometimes it takes those little those little things to kind of open your eyes to those to those kind of other 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 avenues. So just to go back a little bit then. Um, so before you had a full time position before you became yeah. freelancer. Mm -hmm. Chat a little bit more about tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, so left university. I knew really clearly what I wanted to do. I wanted to work in advertising. Um, so what did you do at university? So I did event management, which sounds strange, but it was kind of builders, experiential brand cons and small business mm. management smashed together. Yeah. Where did which you was study? helpful. At Bournemouth University. Cool. Lovely part of the world. Lovely part of the world. Terrible university. Very <laughs> short this time of year. Yeah. Terrible university. Very I regret every repayment I make on that loan. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but Good luck to anyone listening currently no, doing that's bad. I have to caveat all of that with the fact that it was the second year the course was in existence and um, Bournemouth has a great reputation in lots of other areas, but I don't think they'd established themselves, understandably, in their second Excellent. year within the world of management. Um, it was great to be a guinea pig. <clears throat> 
So that, that was fine. That's why they pay me the big bucks. Um, but yeah, so that, that was what I wanted to do. And I felt that I wanted some kind of extra skill set that made me a bit different in an interview. So I didn't want to just do pure advertising like everyone else. I wanted to have something that made me slightly obscure. Edgy. Edgy, yeah. It's never been described before. Create a niche for yourself, basically. Um, And I think also the business management side of things has always interested me since I did it at A-level. And I wanted to work in account management. It wasn't really a... I didn't decide that I wanted to be a creative and then get ended up in account management or wanted to be a planner. Um, I've always wanted to do that because it's the closest you can get to the business. And also, in a really cheeky way, you get to touch every single department and be involved in every single stage of it. And it means that you're not siloed off and you, you kind of feel responsible and have a role in all areas of something you're passionate about. So that's quite nice. Mm. Um, so I knew I wanted to do that and wanted to find something that was different. And Bournemouth is a really great vocational represent, um, reputation. So again, I felt like a nice win to kind of get in and meet new people I wouldn't have otherwise did that and went to a really small agency straight out of uni. I came out of uni in 2010. So wanted to do something that was, well, it was a bad time to come out of university. I'd done a sandwich (laughs) course. I did two years in uni and then 18 months in industry and then gone back and done my dissertation. And in that 18 months, no one had a job. It was a huge depression. It was awful. Um, And and I, yeah, I just remember it being um, a nightmare for so many friends and so many Mm. colleagues at the time just trying to find things that work for them and trying to get jobs, especially when you're trying to start your career. You don't want to get any old job. You're trying to be really focused and really conscientious and it's just an absolute nightmare. Um, So that was a bad time to kind of come out of university. And I remember looking at two or three different agencies I wanted to work for and then going so over the top with the CV, just really trying to make it something that would mean I'd stand out on top of a massive pile. So I did for this particular agency, um, they were called My Agency, um, to make that confusing, <laughs> to make everyone sound arrogant in the bar. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, was, My Agency. Yeah, where do you work, My Agency? It was called <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. It is, it was brilliant. Um, and it was, it was a really small shop but full of people that were really good and keen and it was a really, really nice vibe. Um, but that ended up getting, yeah, so I, I made a CV that looked like their website so that it sort of looked as if it's like my internal, my, my new account exec or whatever it was. Um, and I remember kind of stalking them outside the building and holding coffees and all that kind of stuff to try and make sure that this job actually happened. Um, and that was a really, really helpful way to start my career because it was a tiny, tiny agency. And that does mean that again, this whole jack of all trades phrase, but it is that it was just all hands on deck and it didn't matter who it was. There's so few of us. Um, and I remember leaving as sort of technically head of planning new business and account management at the, with one and a half years industry experience under my belt. So that was great. Um, but always wanted to stay in a small agency because I love that kitchen table vibe where there's only a few of you and all the resource that you need is right there. Everyone's fully focused on task at hand and you might break your day down into different projects, but when you're on it, everyone's on it. Um, and I just love the whole family feel of all of that really didn't want to move but again spoke to a headhunter from a different agency back then um and looked at moving on to try and sort of grow a bit more i was learning very specifically how to do that job for that agency and not necessarily the full breadth of what i could be doing um and they tried to say a big agency would be the right way forward and i remember ogilvy and mather was one of the people on the list and all i'd heard was it was a big gray ship and it didn't do great creative work and it wasn't very flexible and it was old and it was run by old guys and it was just going to be this absolute <laughs> nightmare um and i remember saying i didn't want to go um and my my recruiter being like you are nuts it's it's ford so it's one of like a really prestigious account a really prestigious mm. agency you are nothing you are nobody you will take this interview <laughs> and I was like okay I'll Great. stop being a diva thank you very much um, <laughs> so went in and had this interview and um, really really liked the person that was interviewing me 
um, and she was kind of heading up the account or, or being groomed to head up that account at that time and started in this big agency mainly because of her they didn't actually have a job in the interview which I didn't realise mm. um, so I was sort of relieved that I didn't have to make the decision but then they were sort of like well we like you and we're going to make something and you should come in and do this and it just felt like with that kind of offer when somebody sees you as a nice fit and they create a, a space for you I think you should always say yes to those kind of things yeah. because um, even if they've got you wrong which I think is quite hard to do um, but if they've got you wrong then you just move on but if not it's a, it's a lovely situation to be in to really feel that they've matched your skills to the job that they want so that's that was good so I did that for a really long time uh, for about four years I was at Ogilvy and that took me to loads of different places so a bit of Ford a bit of Nestle a lot of Coca-Cola and a lot of new bids and a lot of pitching with them Brilliant. and I think that kind of gives you a nice foundation for the type of different clients you work with because up to that point I've worked with a lot of alcohol brands yeah. um, like Magnus and Russian Standard and Carling and Heineken and I had a very specific niche for that kind of thing and then mm. I haven't really moved into anything else um, and every industry and every client within that industry has their own pros and cons but I think you do need to really it's a strange world where you have to understand a lot about lots of different businesses so it's nice to have, have sort of seen a breadth of that before mm. I decided to go freelance mm. and did you always have while you were during that four years did you always have the idea of your own businesses and where that might go yeah sort of, or did that kind of develop through that period or no was... like egotistically yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember being little and being like I'm going to have my own agency it's going to be great we're going to take over the world um, how old were you when you first said that <laughs> I don't yeah. know you've my parents <laughs> but I'm imagining in a it can room. be arranged <laughs> it can actually can I yeah, it can be arranged quite easy actually yeah. big, big Nigel weigh in be like it was just five and a half I was very proud <laughs> No, but like it's it's in the family. Both my parents have run their own businesses, and dad ran a graphic design agency. And I think it was just being brought up by people that have had their own thing and haven't worked for other people felt like the right home. Um, and I think a lot of staying in a certain job means that you you only grow as far as the role can grow. You don't actually test yourself out. Mm. And as you get older, you don't want to do that so much. And as you get paid more, you even more, like you don't want to risk anything. You don't want to go out on a limb and maybe lose all that money or lose your position or any of those things. Um, but actually, you just need to. I think the nicest thing about what we're all doing at the moment is having lots of different jobs and no one's stuck to one career and you can try what to be an actor now and then be a writer next and then do Sorry. producing and podcasting, anything, anything yeah. you want to do. Um, and actually that, what used to be a really negative side of a CV which is loads of different things coming in and nobody understanding the thread and the story you're trying to tell throughout your career obviously it's great to have a story because that helps people buy into your brand and what you're up to but if you don't it's just it's, it's all about learning and having a go mm. uh, and I do feel that if you stay in permanent roles you often get and I did personally anyway um, quite I don't know shuttered off and blinkered to just being this is the one thing I need to do and it's about these people thinking I can do it and it's a predetermined job description that I'm working towards and mm. that's what I'm going to do um, and it means you don't test yourself really you do just get better because obviously you spend a lot of time doing that one thing so you're going to get better and you're with amazing people that are really good at it and you're going to learn from them so if you're not getting better you're doing something yeah, wrong yeah, but you're yeah. getting better at the one yeah. the one thing and, and as you say there's so many different things that might interest you and, and it's not fair to expect a permanent employer or any employer to to cater to your every fancy and will and interest mm. so you need to take responsibility for your own development and lots of agencies specifically in advertising do make a huge amount of effort to try and help you with that courses in mm. photography or writing or anything yeah, you yeah. want and moving you in different departments but you are responsible for your own mm. your own interest and your own development and freelancing allows for that which is good so you complete freelancing now or do you still have 
<laughs> I, it's funny actually I was having wine before this podcast with the girls I was saying oh I'm doing a podcast later which is nice my first one exciting yeah. <laughs> um, and they were like oh really that wasn't it about I was like oh freelancing and they all burst out laughing and they were like freelancing I was like yes exactly they're like aren't you like permalancing like, oh, <laughs> and this is a phrase that you will have to deal with and it's bad um, but I, yeah, so I took a contract at McCann Erickson, which is where I'm at at the moment, for, mm. for a three-week contract. And I, I, the 26th of September, I will be there for two years, which Brilliant. is bad. <laughs> I love that. But right. um, I think when you, again, if you find something that is still still mm-hmm. in education, is still interesting you, um, then you, you should. And also, obviously, that's the dream and that's the nice line to say, but people have bills to pay and they've got things to do. Of course. Um, and it's nice to have something that means that money's coming in and you recognise that. And also, you develop, because the other sacrifice you have when you freelance... Um, is that you don't get promoted unless you promote yourself and you you don't end up sort of having that feedback from people that you care about people that get to know you because they've worked with you through any projects um, and therefore you don't ever know if you're ready for that next step whereas if you do hang about for a bit you do tend to hear that you are or they help you get to that next level and all of that You mentioned before about a kind of shifting attitude between what used to be slightly frowned upon about doing multiple mm. things and being multiple multiple jobs, many, many jobs, many, many skills, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Have you felt tangibly a shift in attitudes towards that in your industry? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that traditionally when I started, it was very much, you went to a very, very good university and mm-hmm. I went to an ex-polytechnic, which I was pointed out a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I went to Bournemouth University and everyone would go, that's not a university. And it was a bit of like, <laughs> sorry Bournemouth. That's a um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, but they were like, isn't that where people go to die? It's like, no. Uh, no, it's not. People go there to live. Exactly. It's the home of Slinkies, which was like the biggest club in the UK. So come on guys. <laughs> and they built that surf thing. You know, there's, there's got I thought you meant actual Slinkies then for a minute. <laughs> No, Slinkies was, I think it's now, it was Inferno's when I was there, Probably. not Clapham Junction Inferno's. No, um, of course not. Before, no, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> but the, it was, yeah, the biggest club in the UK in terms of like how many floors it had and the different music and stuff like that. So that's what Bournemouth's got going for it. Great. And the old people hated us and the locals hated us and that was all part of the charm. It's all part of the fun, isn't Everyone it? loves a fight on a Saturday. Student Tuesday. So, with what you're doing now, do you ever get approached outside of the company you're currently with mm. to do freelance work? Yes. Yeah. And can you take that? Have you got time to do that? Um, it depends. So, I've arranged and negotiated a contract whereby I work a certain number of days a week because I'm setting aside time to say yes to those other things. Yeah. So, I've preemptively said to them, This is what I'm going to be doing. You can't have me the whole time, um, which is bad for me and bad for you, but also good. You're getting me for a lot cheaper. Um, and I probably will work the full five days for you because even though I'm not in the office and I might be doing something else, of course I'm going to be on emails, of course I'm going to answer the phone. Yeah. I don't think any client I've ever had has really been fully informed that I'm not full-time because as far as the client's concerned, I am. Yeah. And as far as my contract is, with that agency is concerned, I am. Um, so they're getting a really good deal. They're paying me for three days and sort of getting technically five. Um, but it does allow me to say things like I can't come to that meeting and to really carve out and protect the time that I need to look at other interests and work on those. But they do tend to bleed into the weekend and evenings as well. Um, but that's quite a hard thing to ask for. And I think the greatest advice I ever got given and the one I still stand by today is you should go in and give them what they want originally. So if they want a full-time employee, say yes to that for a certain set time. And then when they negotiate keeping you for longer, that's when you say, I can, but however, I'm doing this other thing. Um, and I think being really transparent about what that other thing is is helpful so I've always kind of cloaked it in I have another business 
and you know that when you interviewed me and it's why mm. you've hired me because I have this extra skill set that your other freelancer might not have an understanding of how business runs which helps me with my client so loads of nice brownie points with that but the downside is I am actually still trying to do that so you can have my skill set but I need to still nurture this other thing on the side but having done at least three months of showing that I can do a really good job five days a week when you get the trust up that's when you can ask for that extra time mm. but I think always letting them know that that conversation is coming or hinting at it helps because yeah. no, yeah, no yeah. employer likes being blindsided by that no kind of, of course yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah that makes total mm. sense but that open dialogue I suppose is always it's, a, it's just a mutual respect thing as well it isn't is. it I suppose, like, but then yeah I should caveat that by saying that what I'm doing on the site isn't actually in a direct competition with the job I'm having yes of course which I think would probably yeah. be harder for anyone else doing that um so I guess you'd have to judge your transparency based on the client because I know especially within advertising if I was to work for Ford for example four days a week and then did a bit for Skoda on a Friday that would not be, that would not be okay <laughs> you know there'd be heavies around my house it'd be bad yeah. suddenly there's loads of Skodas on the road exactly. <laughs> I wish I had that <laughs> what's that been up to on a Friday <laughs> exactly exactly but yeah, it's um, it is it is a bit tricky. But because I've always said um, kind of helping smaller businesses, and when you get your contracts for those part-time jobs, be really, really vigilant on your um, intellectual property and what rights they have to that, especially if you're trying to do things on the side. Because there's so many things in there by, whereby anything come up within the hours and days of which you were hired. It's not even that; it's more broad. It's like if we hired you from you know January 2017 to January 2018, and you came up with an idea in that time, it's our idea. Um, especially within the creative industries and especially within advertising. So if you are in any of those, I would just make sure that you're really clear with their legal department what it is you are doing on the side. And also, if you end up having a client that is in any way slightly connected to another client you're managing at the time, to just mm. let everybody know, because it may just be that you can't say yes to that one. Yeah. Weigh up which one means more to you and pick that one. Great. Let's go back a bit. Um, I was school. How was school? Mm. Oh, school was awful. <laughs> ah. You, this is the worst question to ask me. I'm just about to. I've actually just about to take a year break <laughs> from freelancing. Um, I'm starting an MBA in September, and going back to school is causing me issues. Just psychologically, it's not good. Um, socially, <laughs> school's great. Yeah, yeah. so it was fine. A bit of a party. It was good fun. Um, but no, actually, actually being at school is really difficult. I'm quite dyslexic, um, and it turns out dyscalculus, which is a lovely thing. <laughs> Another thing I right. am, I can't spell, as I always say. Um, <laughs> but that, yeah, which kind of made school not, not great. And I think when I was younger, it wasn't... Dyslexia was known about, but sort of in a sort of cliche, like, yeah, yeah, we cater for learning disabilities. It wasn't really, and still what was going on. Mm. And um, I think that made getting around it quite difficult. Mm. But I was very lucky to have a really supportive fantastic set of parents who were like no you will do fine and there are loads of things there was a lot of reality checking from the parents which kept me sane throughout the whole thing which was this is the only time in your life you're ever going to have to be good at everything um yeah you know, no offense but okay no. just just get a c in maths and buy a calculator and carry on and also probably being the only voices that were sort of saying that being dyslexic well sucks at the beginning is actually a huge benefit later on um, and I remember somebody explaining to me when I started university that I was officially disabled and that meant I could get all this money and I could get this yeah. equipment and all this other stuff laptop, and free laptop <laughs> I had people at, I, I people at university that faked it they read books I yeah, had to be totally dyslexic yeah. just broke their bees the wrong way around and they're like yeah what well, laptop <laughs> I was like assholes you know who you are um, <laughs> it's bad it's really bad um, but yeah it was just I think what were we talking about dyslexia in school yeah just about uh, school was in general about school yeah, in general yeah. yes it wasn't yeah can you pinpoint a moment that 
where whether it was an inspirational word or something that you did in a lesson or a teacher or a family member yeah. said something to you that made you go that's what I want to do is my job that's what I want to do for my career is there a specific moment or has it always been part of your upbringing no I think a bit of it is part of having creative ideas in the house so my mum would say she's not creative and I couldn't disagree more and I tell her all the time um, she's full of ideas she's very functional in terms of the ideas she's coming up with it's always very practical but they are genius and creative in their own right and then dad's much more sort of um, omnipresent ethereal creativity <laughs> present dad is a graphic designer yeah. what did your mum do? Uh, she set up a school Montessori school she was a headmistress and founder for that and then she's done restaurants and charity work and you know she's thinking of setting up a school for cookery for guys that have been recently widowed or that have left university and don't know how to cook or any of those other things um, any other reason a guy would need to look after himself at home mm. um, so she's just full of, of loads of things plus a whole load of like furniture design courses and ugh, brilliant at tennis she's just great at everything <laughs> <laughs> and she looks fantastic which is just so painful <laughs> it's a beautiful package it's a hard thing to do um, but she, yeah I think they they've always um, been that bit that's made any decision feel feasible so it hasn't necessarily had to be I've made a call and I want to do this one thing the flexibility has been there I can't remember really wanting to be anything when I was younger I don't know if they remember any of that um but definitely as I came out of school I wanted to work um and I think that sandwich course at university was the first time I ever really realized that yeah okay school I'm not great at school but I am really good in an office I'm really good at work um and I just wanted to stay there I didn't want to go back and I don't know why it was advertising I just really like branding a dad bringing things home like pitch slides and things like that mm. um, and practicing with us just means that you hear it and you love it and it's great um, and that whole process I outlined at the beginning sounds really sterile and boring but actually is just a massive roller coaster of, of fun of yeah, trying of to course. get really good stuff out the door um, and sometimes you'll end up on accounts where that isn't the case and it's not good work um, but you still have to respect the process <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and go for that and protect it and try and make sure everyone's doing the best they can but yeah, I don't remember any specific time where I had one thing that said that's what I wanted to do. But it was just an it was an open environment growing up. Yeah, was definitely. Always, you, you were always aware of what your parents were up to and what they were doing. And yeah, it was a part of your yeah. yeah. And I love brands. I just think that the one bit of art that you see all the time, it's the one thing that talks to you all the time. And they change and you grow up with them and you love them. Mm. And I can talk about brands in terms of the band that you loved and the sneakers you wore as a kid. And then brands that are things that have totally changed your life, like Facebook. It's just, they're everywhere. And I don't think there's really anything they don't touch and don't do. So it was Mm. a really easy thing to fall in love with because it's everywhere. Mm. It's great you you refer to them as pieces of art because Mm. they are, aren't they? They, That's exactly what they are. Because that's that's the... That's the root in is an is an aesthetic. Yeah, you go. Oh, that's uh, that's something that relates to me. You see an image that relates to me. I know what that means. I know what that letter is. I know what that you know. Yeah. So that's that's the that's the root. It is. And if everyone's trying to self-identify and create yeah. themselves and all that stuff, brands just give you another way to express that that isn't necessarily buying a Rothko and putting it on the wall it's, it's wearing something specific or styling yeah. yourself in a certain way and people buy things that they like yeah. so they buy things that relate to them and they go yeah. um, things that make them feel good yeah definitely and it's that emotional that emotional response yeah. so what do you think the future holds where do you see it, uh, where do you see your your many many skill sets that you've, <laughs> that you've accrued yeah, over, the, over, the, over the years in the industry know. thus far. Probably stripping to pay off my student debt. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> to Bournemouth. It's in Bournemouth, Wiggles, by the way. It's yeah, not for yeah. your eyes only, it's for my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Roy on the door. <laughs> 
Uh, no, I don't know. I think I'd love to, at the moment, so a bit of my, it's not necessarily freelancing um, for specific clients, but my business on the side is helping small businesses get set up. But I mean really, really small businesses, so people that are on their own, had an idea, um, that maybe have always worked for somebody else and don't know how to do something that sounds simple but is really overwhelming if you did it the first time, like registering a business or um, trying to work out what you should and shouldn't be paying your accountant for oh, how do I set up a website that sounds expensive or what the hell is social media and how do I use it? Um, all of those things that come around just having a good idea. You can have a great idea, have a great product, but if you don't know how to actually get a business built around it, that can feel like something that would stop you going the whole way. So I'm trying to meet as many of those people as possible and try and make sure that they've got a little bit of guidance in getting themselves from an idea to at least beta where they're going, I've tried it out and I've got enough behind me to see if this would or wouldn't work. And then if it does mm. start working, I've got the people that can help you really take it somewhere else. But just that sort of starting fledgling step being a bit more fun for them um so that's something i really really want to pursue i think the mba is a big part of that just going back to school and learning more about business again mm. um and seeing how that might apply to either one big idea or people's smaller ideas so that's kind of what i'd like to do for other people but then for me um i spent some time out in greece working in some refugee camps for about two months last summer oh god longer than that now maybe two three summers ago um, and there's so much opportunity there for kind of creative thought and problem solving and all of that kind of thing that I love. And it was just lovely to see what I see as briefs all over the place for ways that you could make something better. Mm. Um, and I'd love to be in a position to get myself into a state where I can see those problems and then actually have the infrastructure behind me or the knowledge and the people to try and make a solution for that happen fairly quickly. Um, because I think that's just really, really rewarding. That sounds really naff, but that is what I want to do it for. So what made you take the decision to do the MBA? Um, I felt like I wasn't learning enough um, doing freelancing, coincidentally. I know we're talking about self-development and being responsible for that, but in the same breath, it doesn't necessarily have to be in the traditional, in a traditional freelance role. Um, for me to freelance at my level works. If I get promoted, I can't really freelance anymore because you're much more embedded with the client, much more embedded with the agency. They're sort of, you're talking one-year contracts, not three-month contracts. Um, and that for me isn't freelancing. That's like just moving, <laughs> moving a lot. Um, so permalancing. Permalancing, exactly. It's permalancing, <laughs> which I've ended up doing anyway. Um, but it's well, bits, it's a few small, small stuff, and then some long. That'll stuff. be the title of this particular podcast. Permalancing. Yeah. We should have concentrated on with that. We the benefits yeah. of permalancing, like negotiating your own salary, always <laughs> <laughs> having a two-week notice period, which scares your bosses, so they keep they're yeah, always nice. Um, <laughs> That ego boost of once a month, somebody going, we'd like to keep you. There's so many great reasons for permalancing. But do, you, um, do you know what you would do? So, say, so you're going, how long are you going back to school? For, for a year. For a year. Just for a year. And presumably you have to stop your... Yeah. And are you likely to be able to step back into that? Yeah. Or, yeah, okay. Yeah, I've taken gaps of that length before and jumped back in again. Yeah. Yeah. And if you were, in the future, offered one of those, you know, a promotion to do mm. that... Do you know what you would do, or are you going to you'd cross that bridge when you get to it? Or? Uh, well, I've been, coincidentally been offered exactly that right before, so that when I told McCann that I was looking at going and doing this MBA, they were like, right, well, we'd lose you for a year, would you then come back? And I didn't want to say yes or no, because I really, enjoy, I really love the agency, I love what they're trying to do, I love the people there as well. So it wasn't that I don't want to come back, but I think you do an MBA to open up and to have a bigger horizon and look at things, so I didn't want to say, yes, I'm going to do that and then come back and do exactly what I was doing before, but with more skills yeah, of I think there's a point in meet, you, meet, you meet different people you have different skills and you want to follow anything that interests you after that yeah well you talked about your goals and with your own business and mm. helping it's like you're helping people start up essentially yeah. right and who don't know 
have you had to turn down that work because of your full-time job? No, there hasn't been enough of that work, which has been quite helpful. So it's been a nice stream where it's been a balance. Um, I think if I'd if I had to make the call, those projects at the moment are very... Because it's a new business, you do a lot of things that you don't charge accurately for. Mm-hmm. So you're doing them to build up a portfolio and to show what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Everyone does this. Yeah. So that's what's happening with that at the moment and has been happening for the last year and a bit. Um, and that's really nice because it's, it's all been word of mouth. So I haven't had to spend anything to try and explain to people and that's just kind of come about and people introduce friends of friends and they hear that something went well with someone else and it's ended up happening quite naturally. Um, but even if it had really blown up, I think at this point, from a financial standpoint, especially to save up for something like an MBA or for a rainy day, or in this instance, to recover financially from a business I'd done before, that financially, in that year, the finance was more important than the, the dream progression. So that was my sort of deal for 12 months. It's like, you're going to do something that's going to help you recover with that so that you can have mm. more fun later. And luckily, I'm out the other side and I can have more fun now. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then I've just buried myself back in it again but the, <laughs> but the year after well in the year after I've recovered from this year oh god um, I will then, then be able to sort of say yes to more of that and do a bit more with it so I suppose I'll, I'll, I'll call it a five year plan because I don't know what else to call it <laughs> but your your ultimate this is what you've got is you've got to fit into I've got Andy's five year plan I do love it I've got to plan right. five year plan here's my five year plan for you so this year this year you're going to go with the NBA Next year, you say you might have to recover yep. again. Yep. Okay, so you've got one more year of recovery. And then you're going to focus more on your own business. Yes. While still possibly doing the same sort of role you're doing for another agency. Potentially. Okay. It does depend. I think my, yeah, my five-year plan it's, is it's very... Snug. <laughs> it's snug on your three. My middle, my middle finger's a bit better right now. Um, <laughs> I'm getting into debt and I'm getting out of it. That is the plan. Okay. Yeah, but the are. ways in which I'm doing that are, are flexible. Okay. Hence the stripping. Yeah, <laughs> Fourth year, make a crap load of money sure. in your business. Fifth year, Hollywood or something, I don't know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Hollywood. Hollywood. Yeah, Especially after that, yeah. that picture Andy took of me earlier. Yeah, totally. I think Hollywood's going to Yeah, that will be tweeted. Oh, oh, dear Thank me. You. Thanks for that. Oh, um, no, I think it would be, it doesn't necessarily need to be about making sure loads of money. Um, although, obviously, that'd be lovely. Uh, would you say your dream would be to be able to I suppose financially support yourself with your own business yeah I'd like the flexibility to feel like anything that interested me I could kind of follow it and have the kind of clients I like working with rather than having to deal with ones that perhaps I feel like weren't a great fit for me personally Um, and to also enjoy life and say that I want to have more holiday than 22 days that you get um, and all the other lovely things that come with running a business. But having done two or three of these things now, those don't, you, you basically don't have a holiday. It is, it's your whole life. But the joy is you want to do something that means that you don't want a holiday or that you don't necessarily need one or that when you're on it, you still care enough to want to be on your emails and all of that kind of thing. Yeah. So really the dream is to, to very much still be working, but to be enjoying it enough for it to basically feel like a year-round holiday <laughs> or a passion project rather than a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in relation to your own business, mm. um, do you see... Is it more of a helping people start up and then letting them fly the nest and go and do their thing? Or are you, is it going to be a continuing investment? Do you see that being? Or? Um, it kind of depends. So I've got some clients that are brand new and they just want help out the nest, which yeah. is fine. Uh, and then I have other clients who are firmly out of the nest and are at a certain level and are hiring other people and don't really have a growth plan or not necessarily not a growth plan, but not the belief in their own plan for what they want to do next. Um, and just go along and go, you can do it. You can do it, well done, <laughs> Come on, guys. guys. <laughs> you see, glorified fat bagger. <laughs> um, no, it's, 
so it's yeah so and and those are for me the more interesting ones where they've, they've got a business problem or they've got something they're trying to achieve and they don't know how to do it and that's really good fun because they've got the resources and the infrastructure behind them to follow through on the ideas whereas when they're new you're really just trying to get them to buy in and believe in what they're already doing which they do but just to say you actually have the people behind you to help you do this properly yeah. so they're quite different um in the different clients that you have there great and you have a team helping you out with that or is it just you it's just me my website implies there's a a huge network of people behind me but no it's just me burst the ball (laughs) (laughs) oh but yeah but to do your original question with the whole Mm. like out of the nest and not thing i think Mm. if if they get to a certain level i'm able to admit my own skill set doesn't stretch that far i think that if they were to really need some proper proper grown-up business advice then they'd need grown-ups to go and help them with that um, and I know some so that's great so I could kind of introduce them to those people um, which helps but I do know where I kind of want to end and draw the line um, but profit share in businesses that I'm helping is normal uh, and that's helpful and a nice yeah. thing to have and the is it are you broad in the sense of the type of business do you yeah. Is it pretty much anything goes? Pretty much anything. Because, like, I mean, I guess... Because our, our podcast... Regardless. <laughs> it's a lot of work. We can't, we can't afford it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what, guys? Portfolio, yeah, you probably can. We had a bit of, we had a, bit, we had a, bit of a running joke recently that Emma was going to be my agent. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. Oh, you mentioned this. Andy, it's yeah, not yeah, a joke. Yeah, I'm yeah. being very serious. No, I'm, I'm firmly aware of this. <laughs> Who else was there? That's your agent. Yeah, no, it's your current agent. Now. Um, not at the moment. No, they won't listen to this. No, I do. Hi, Serena. Well, then, Serena, you should be listening, and if exactly. not, I do. So, uh... <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, I think it was. Um, yeah, your brother was there. Yeah. At the time. There were a few other There were some other thespy bystanders. Thespy bystanders. I connected a few clients that night. I mentioned that and then had a few people come up after us being like, do you do that? I was like, yes, it's my card. It's true. I think it's, yeah, I'd be flexible to doing anything. And that is why the five-year plan is not a plan because hopefully the MBA will mean I meet lots of different people that do loads of different things and might be introduced to something I didn't know about and find out something that I'm good at that I didn't know, hopefully. <laughs> or something I suck at that I wasn't aware of, um, and then yeah, and then make that make that more interesting and yeah. make it work. Yeah. Great. Emma? Any more questions from the floor, guys? No, I think we're good. <laughs> yeah, that was absolutely brilliant, Emma. Thanks very much. No Cheers worries. for your time. We've got some sandwiches. We might have which them. I'm definitely we might, having. We might have them. Should we all we take a bite into the microphone. Yeah. Oh not don't no, bite the microphone. I mean, bite a sandwich. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Good, good. You clarified. No, I don't, no, I don't think, think anybody is... wants to hear that. I would. <laughs> But I'm weird, so... Just let them carry on with their day. Right. This should definitely end with a crunch. (laughs) Thanks for listening, friends. Free Glance Podcast is produced and presented by Andy McLeod and Andrew Hollingworth. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Free Glance Pod. And like and subscribe on all your usual podcast outlets. If you have any thoughts, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at freeglancepod at gmail.com. See you next time. Stay free. Massive thank you this week to the lovely people at New Diorama Theatre for giving us their garden studio to record in. Check out what they're up to. They've got a brilliant season coming up. Check them out at www.newdiorama.com and at New Diorama on Twitter and all the usual social medias. Thanks.